0: Welcome to Saga Craft. Myths, fairy tales, legends. Stories comfort us, inspire us, and heal us. Please join us as we share stories, both old and new. More than anything, we are open to the story and its unfolding. At times, it may be one story told by one person. At times, it's the same story told through three different voices. In the end, we go where the story takes us, and we invite you to follow. I'm C, a
1: writer, artist, and storyteller. I'm Betsy, a medium and teacher of mystery traditions. I'm Gabriella, an artist and practitioner of folk magic. We are magical, magical fairy godmothers, godmothers in, in training. training. The myth that I've chosen is the story of Gullveig from the Norse epic poem called the Seer's Prophecy or Völuspá. And a little background is that the Norse in Viking and pre-Viking times were not literate. The Norse myths were well known through oral tradition. For the Norse, inventing a new story was not valued as much as the poetic retelling of a known story. The versions that we have of the myths were written during the times when conversion to Christianity had already occurred, when stories were still largely remembered. Before being written down, myths were living and could change from storyteller to storyteller. Also, there wasn't organized religion, but instead, during those Viking and pre-Viking times, the heads of settlements, their wives, or even poets were the storytellers and officiators at ceremonies and could tell the myths from their own perspective. The epic poem Völuspá begins after creation has already occurred and through the telling of the story, the Norse creation myth gets retold, including the story of Goveg herself. The story goes like this. A seer, a prophetess, is summoned by the Allfather, Odin, king of the gods. She's a mighty practitioner of scythe in life and her power is vast and undiminished. Odin comes to her as a seeker and asks her about the oldest deeds of gods and men. She gives him much more than he asked for. She starts by remembering the nine worlds and nine giantesses and that they raised her in those long gone days. She remembers the seed from which the world tree Yggdrasil sprouted that tree which holds the nine worlds. In the beginning, there was no land, no sea, no earth or sky or greenery. There was just a huge yawning chaos void called Gap and an immense giant named Ymir. Dismembering Ymir, Odin and his brothers created the nine worlds from his body. In these worlds, the sun and the moon and the stars help things to thrive, but they themselves knew no order, no knowledge of their true places, and no sense of their true might. All the god powers went back to the thrones of fate, that place of the sacred gods, and together they made a decision, and that decision became time itself. This included the naming of night and day and the separation of them and the orderly cyclical aspects of time. Then on the vast plains of Ethavol, the gods continued and created workshops and made temples, high shrines, golden treasures, and many tools with which to create more. Happy about this, they played in their lush gardens and enjoyed the plenty they had created they had lots of gold and wealth then three terrible and powerful giantesses came from jotunheimr the world of the giants thus ending that golden age the god powers went back to the thrones of fate and decided to make dwarves many dwarves out of the remainder of the giant Ymir's rotting limbs. These dwarves were little and manlike. Three gods, full of power and passion, went back to Midgard and found two pieces of driftwood, Ask and Embla, who were weak, incapable, and without fates. Looking inhuman, they had no breath, no soul, and no life. Breath soul and life itself was given to them by the three gods and ask and emla became humans that sprout of yggdrasil now grown into a mighty tree develops dewdrops from it as it stands forever green over Erdas well three wise ones known as norns live under the tree at the well of fate Erda, verdonde and skuld carve men's fates, determine destiny's laws in the lifespan of every child born. They foretell the future by seeing what has already occurred in the past and what is happening in the present, spinning, weaving, eventually cutting. The seer, the prophetess, remembers the first murder ever in the world occurred when Gulveg, golden liquid or power of gold, was pierced by spears and then burned in Odin's sacred halls. They burned her three times. She was reborn three times, over and over, not just a few times, still each time she would live again. They named her Bright One, Heidi. She came into their homes as a sorceress who foresaw good and pleasing things. She knew spirit magic, She knew Seyther, she practiced wise craft, she was favored by women. Then all the powers, the sacred gods, went to the thrones of fate. And the question this time was whether the Aesir, the sky gods alone, should yield the tribute, or if all the gods, including the Vanir, the nature and land gods, should share the sacrificial feasts. After all, Freya a goddess of the Vanir had brought the knowledge of blot, or sacred offerings to the Aesir. What happened was, Odin hurled his spear into the host. That was the first war in worlds. The rampart of the Aesir's stronghold was destroyed as the Vanir continuously attacked the plain on which it was built with their magical war spells. War continued for some time and was costly with no one winning. Eventually, truce was made between the Aesir and Vanir with hostages exchanged along with knowledge. But the Golden Age ended and Ragnarok, the end of all the worlds, was triggered.
0: Very lovely, thank
1: you. I'm still in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm still in the story, and I think I'll be in the story for a long time. I feel like it's still unfolding. I feel like it's still going under and going back up. The first thing that I found intriguing and interesting is that before the concept of time, there was no form. There was no meaning. It's with that concept of time and with time, destiny. And those two together, creating form and giving birth to everything else, giving the word of everything else, before which... It was everything and nothing at the same time until the time came into being the measure of time.
1: I found it interesting that when time was created, then people knew themselves and understood something about their power and their true nature
0: I actually feel confused about that. So I have to admit that time has always confused me a lot. And I don't fully believe in it. (laughs) Like I I believe that it's a thing we use, but it is not nature to me. And so it's not at all surprising to me, though, that time would contain meaning. Because as human beings, so much of our idea of our value is what we can complete within the time of our life. And so I can totally see how that would translate immediately into meaning. But I wonder how destiny thwarts that. Like if our, you know, what our meaning is, is our ability to uh, accomplish or be or provide during our time, then it's destiny. So in my mind, destiny or the immutable destiny of Orlog is sort of thwarting time itself. In what way do they interact? How does destiny work with time? So to me, I think of it as fate versus destiny. I think of it as destiny when we embrace it and we make it pleasant and fate when we fight it and we make it unpleasant. (laughs) So, So how does that fit into meaning? I don't really know.
1: I found for myself as I was exploring this story and looking at different versions of it, meaning translated by different people, like in the Norse tradition, that each translation had a different flavor to it, even a different understanding of who Gulvig really is. Um, some people saw her as one of the evil giantesses, you know, if we can say evil, but one of those dark and terrible giantesses who came and changed everything. Other translators saw her as Freya, as an aspect of Freya. And yet another version of her was that of her as a Norn herself. And can one be all of those things, perhaps? I don't know. But as I was trying to find the ground from which I wanted to stand, if, you, if I could say that when I was sharing this myth, and in a way, I think I was asking for what's the most true version of it. What I was told was the version that finds its way through you, through one, through the storyteller, is the true version for that moment, but I, I found that this story has stayed with me as I've been exploring it and has been working its way through me. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say as well. I think the concept
2: of the three giantesses and even that in the story, and I'm sure many versions of the story, they're called evil. And what that really means is able to change things yeah. and the, Power of that and how to some, especially since it was probably taking form or written down in Christian times, the idea of of feminine spirits of women, spirits, women, giantesses
1: being able to change things, that would be terrifying. Another clue in this, I think, too, is that notion of the Norns being able to foresee what happens in the future by looking in the past. And what happens in the past is that the gods dismembered the giant Ymir. And so was that where it all began? You know, was that dismemberment of, of the giant actually the seeds were those three giant, I think were those three giants passing through just kind of like the wave of, okay, you began this and we're carrying it. Well, not even we're carrying it forward, but it's carrying forward in its own way. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I totally view the whole thing as a domino effect. Like somebody flipped that first domino and it was done. <laughs> like it was just a matter of everything falling out. But yeah, so, you know, the concept blonda, I probably said it wrong. In Old Norse, it's the idea that something, it's attributed largely to women, and it literally means blend, and it means blend in terms of mix in a way that makes better, as if to learn and to incorporate and to process, but it also means to taint and to condemn and to undermine. And so it's that idea that women are particularly on the forefront of bringing in change. And that was probably largely because they came in from another group in order to marry, which meant they had loyalties to two groups, and therefore they were dangerous. But Snorri actually has a remark in there, too, about the Golden Age being the time before they were ruined by women.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Once again power yep. that's the power of women is being able to mix give um, bring life mm-hmm. and therefore bring death right. And chaos right all these things that are, that are dangerous things and
0: just the gold the whole concept of the women and the gold like there's a There's a great benefit and a great beauty and a great price, which is also sort of inherent in the Blonde concept. Hmm. Although honestly, when I say that, I think of that as children. That's how I feel about children.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is there ever a reason why the bright one is speared? Is there ever a reason given why because it's, it's you know she's there and then she is the decision is made for her to be killed. What came into that decision? Do we know how that decision came to be? Are there various points on this or different versions?
1: Yeah, I, I mean there are several different versions about it. One of them is cued by the notion or the observation that this bearing of her. And the burning of her happened in Odin's Hall. And a hall is a place of sacred hospitality. So the idea of what happened to her, then one begins to wonder, is there something sacred or sacral about that? And also that, uh, you know, what happened after her burning was then they go to start, you know, they go back to the place where they make their decisions, the gods and the powers do. And this time is, the question is about who gets to make the offerings and who, and making the offerings in those times was also meant partaking of the offerings of them. So, so it does seem as though there's something sacred about what happened there for her and intentional. It feels very intentional and destined too, somehow, but by whose choosing. And again, I mean, some translations, when they were talking about who she became, who golveg became after this three-time death, which is, of course, an initiatory type of a death, was that she, as a sorceress, came into people's homes and foresaw good things, pleasing things, and in the end was favored by women. But often the, the translation or the statement is favored by evil women, So we don't know, was that something that was really felt during Viking times, or was that something that was added later? But I decided as the storyteller to just say she was favored by women.
2: Favorited by wise women. (laughs) (laughs) I like that version.
0: So I feel like whether she was a giantess or whether she was Freya, either one, she's a member of the older gods, right? In both cases, that's the older gods set. And so in my mind uh, that what really demarcates the Aesir from those who went before them is that they're really the gods of civilization or the gods of culture. And in many ways that makes them the gods of patriarchy. And so of course they're going to have trouble with a more powerful older woman who is getting more praise particularly from other women.
2: So in a way, the seer intends to give form to the formless
0: mm-hmm.
2: and possibly claim, and, and it's also a claim on nature because I do mm-hmm. see her as, from that perspective, as a nature mother, as of nature, as part of nature. And it's great communicator of everything in between life, death, change, cycles. So maybe not time, but here in this case, the cycles. And they're undefined. They can be as long as they need to be and as short as they need to be, but it's it's that potency of the cycle that is important, which she would have great knowledge of.
1: It strikes me that this story, like any good myth, really sets up templates of how things can go forward from here. And we're talking not only about the creation story, but about that idea of going through some kind of a death of some sort out of which one becomes quite changed and actually refined. I mean, she went in as gold power or the power of gold, or, or as one translator would say, her name might mean gold power drink. So is she the template for the sacred need itself that comes up later in the Norse myths? That's a thought there. And, and then as the bright one, sharing uh, as some translators say, sharing first with human women, and so that is a template for our wise women in midgard I think well, and that also
2: brings some some form of when sacred arts were passed from mother to daughter, grandmother to granddaughter in that same way it 's the specific of the mystery of one's not just physical body but association that would make sense why she would choose the recipients of this power of her seeds to be like herself. So I wonder if that too means, I I do think it's women in this case, but is it even more than that? Is it to those who are willing to receive that wisdom and hone it in the same way?
1: Mm, That's beautiful.
0: So to to me, that is a lot about people who are willing to form relationship as opposed to people who are are willing to control. And in a lot of ways, the genders are pulled that way. And I've heard it argued uh, that it's because of of bodies. It's because women have no choice but to admit that there is something more powerful than them as their body is taken over once a month. (laughs) while while men can get away with pretending that they have control in the world most of the time of course something's eventually going to happen to take that control away and then there's a choice as to whether to respond to whatever takes away control as a relationship with the sacred and build that kind of relationship or to try to get the power back and re-control and so my suspicion is that it's whom will be the receiver of relationship who wants to engage in relationship regardless.
1: One of the other things that, that's interesting about this story too is that Odin goes to the seer to ask about the deeds of gods and men. And she tells him that, and this is the story. I mean, that, what I shared with you is that part of it And then what the seer goes on to do is give him the prophecy of Ragnarok. But what it strikes me that she does is she shows him, she shows Odin where the seeds of Ragnarok came from, which in quite a bit of it is due to him himself and his actions and his choices. But also of these, I love the idea of those three giants that come in from the side. (laughs) Just kind of walking through the landscape, changing everything as they do. So that notion of one can set things rolling, but still the feminine, the chaotic elements can shift and change those plans also. So, yeah. I I, Like I said earlier, I'm still in it. I feel like it'll
2: take some time to fully see all there is.
0: Yeah, that pulls to me the idea, though this seems random, it's not as random in my mind as it does in my mouth. The idea that uh, in Sleeping Beauty, you know, they invite 12 of the 13 fairies, and the other fairy shows up to give a curse, and the fairy that comes after her says, I can't counter the curse, but I can change its direction. And how important that is, not to, you know, the difference between taking something head-on and confronting it and combating it versus getting alongside of and redirecting it that's more of a in my mind a redirection so those giants come down okay we see this we'll take its hand and play with it for a while <laughs> instead of we're gonna fight it yeah. yeah relationship instead of control
2: and in that relationship or in that ex- if that moment is extended or suddenly looked at Within that moment, things open up to have their own story that can change the main story because everything can percolate together, make the necessary agreements, decisions, and be something else.
1: Well, this is a story that will, you know, from my experience, go forward into the week with you. And it's a story that one of you were saying that if I looked at it head on, I would be kind of confused, but when I let it percolate and then the insights kind of came from the side or they came from different directions. So you may find if you ponder this story, you might just see what you see out of the corners of your eyes (laughs) rather than looking at it head on. But what ideas do you have for carrying it forward into the week? That was
0: sort of my takeaway, just the idea of, I'm actually experiencing a lot of change in my life right now. Weirdly, even though we're second side, <laughs> there's still change. Um, but that idea of looking at every change instead of how will I react to this change? How do I create relationship with this change so that together we can create the best possible outcome from here? I like that.
2: I, I, I like that as well. And I think for me and taking in this story, I, I will choose to be more present in whatever moment I'm in, whether it seems like a mundane moment or a stressful moment or scary moment, uh, frustrating moment, whatever it may be. I want to look at those moments from a perspective of who am I now in this story? If this was a story, what is happening? if somebody was to look at it from a different perspective and if I saw myself as a heroine of that story would I act differently if I had the awareness of I'm being observed and I'm in this story I think I would act differently and if that's the case what is that about yeah
0: I've always been very very bothered by the first sphere like It just seems so inappropriate, (laughs) Um, and at the same time, I do understand that sacrifice means to make sacred, and things must be sacrificed in order to bring together new life, and so when I look at the story from that lens, I think that the real problem at the beginning that causes all the issues at the end is that the life is not withdrawn in the sacrifice, It's like in order to sacrifice something, first we have to pull that which is still alive from it and then sort of sacrifice the husk of it, if that makes sense, and breathe new life into what is still alive. But that isn't done. It's like it's left incomplete. It's left as still a question. So it's still in skulls' hands. You still can't move forward without finishing the question. So
2: with intention, the entire that moment, that first spear would be changed, if given the right naming, if given the appropriate tone. Well, without that, this whole story may not exist.
1: True, and you know, if we go forward with the Norse myths and the story of Odin, then he himself meets that spear, and understands something more about the nature of sacrifice down the road. Indeed. Maybe that's when he learned about it. Yeah. I, you know, I love it as a template for the strong and powerful women. I mean, even the prophetess, the seer, when she's summoned by Odin, she's not cowed by him at all. And the more strident he becomes, the more she lays on him, really. Um, but I think that as a, template for or a I don't know if templates the right word but as a an example of the feminine I think it gives us some extraordinary things to ponder thank you for this beautiful story
0: yes
1: thank you well thank you for letting me share it with you it, it's really been a joy to be in it and I appreciate the opportunity to share it thank you
0: And special thanks to the fantastic Zoe Magic for her phenomenal editing skills.